I'm Carrie Fountain, and this is Just to Say, where we talk to poets about the poems they make and the poems they love. Poetry's about anarchy, it's about mystery, it's about dreams, it's about, you know, the unknown. I made myself anew in poetry. The poem invites the world to come celebrate. This is Marie Howe, and this is a poem called One Day. One day, the patterned carpet, the folding chairs, the woman in the blue suit by the door, examining her split ends. All of it will go on without me. I'll have disappeared as easily as a coin under lake water, and few to notice the difference, a coin dropping into the darkening. And West 4th Street, the sesame noodles that taste like too much peanut butter lowered into the small white paper carton. All of it will go on and on. And the I that caused me so much trouble? Nowhere. Or grit thrown into the garden. Or into the sticky bodies of several worms. Or just gone. Stopped. Like the Middle Ages. Like the coin Whitman carried in his pocket all the way to that basement bar on Broadway that isn't there anymore. Oh, to be in Whitman's pocket on a cold winter day, to feel his large warm hand slide in and out and in again, to be taken hold of by Walt Whitman, to be exchanged, to be spent for something somebody wanted and drank and found delicious. That poem is so gorgeous, and it's so much more gorgeous in your voice. Oh, thanks. You are such a wonderful reader of your, <laughs> of your poems. Um, I felt that when you read this poem when you were here at UT as well. Just, <clears throat> you, you take your time, and, and it's like the voice in the poem is suddenly in your ears. It's really amazing. Mm. Yeah, well, I learned that from a lot of different people. And I was a stutterer, you know, um, till I was about 32. Um, so it's a miracle that I can read it all. Oh, wow. That's, I did not know that about you. Mm-hmm. A stutterer finds a voice that he or she can inhabit. And... Um, it's very important. It helps you get over the topography of the words. This is the kind of poem that just, it has, it doesn't, it's just everything. This poem has everything in it. It has this resonance that is exactly what I think of as poetry. That it is, I couldn't describe to you what happens in my sort of body and mind when I hear or read this poem, but it mm. is like the embodiment of the experience of poetry. You know, like that thing mm. that they say of like, you can't paraphrase a poem. Mm-hmm. Like this is exactly what they mean when they say that, you know, mm. yeah, the, the particulars of the, the woman uh, exam- the, in the blue suit by the door <laughs> examining her split ends. And then just like where the poem heads and, and where it ends up, it's really remarkable. Um, I, mm. uh, I, I wonder if I could just ask you a little bit about, I wanted to know if you can even remember, like when you were writing the poem, 
Like when you first started the poem, did Walt Whitman appear in first early drafts of this no, poem? No, 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 no. No, no I mean, a, a poem that really happens, and you know, so many don't, is one that only happens as you write it. And as I write it, at least, it doesn't, it doesn't exist before. Um, and, you know, I was thinking as I was reading this to you, actually, that all these details came from so many different parts of my life. I mean, the unconscious makes the poem, or the poem makes the poem. Um, and, I, you know, we listen for it, maybe, and um, let, it, let it come out through us. But I feel very strongly that the poem has something to say to me. I've got nothing to say, you know. So um, the, the notion of life going on, the world going on without me is, of course, nothing new. And the older I get, the more I think it, almost every day now. But um, I know that woman in the blue suit was actually at a, I remember her at a poetry reading I think Stanley was giving maybe 12, 15 years ago at NYU, sitting by the door, checking people as they came in. And once he got started, she started checking her split ends. But I never would have thought that consciously. You know, she just showed up again. Yeah, it's amazing what comes comes back to you. I remember Naomi Shihab Nye, the poet, uh, talking to students and saying, if you don't do anything else, if you could just write down in a journal three things that you saw today, that if you didn't write them down, you would forget about them within, within the next 24 hours. Like that mm-hmm. enough is like, you know, that could be your well for years and years and years to come. You know? Well, that's what I have my students do every single day, every week. They write ten observations. Yes, right. Yeah, and only observations. Nothing they think. No state. Just yeah. what they saw. Yeah, that also reminds me of. Um, I was uh, in that workshop that Tony teaches. The f- is it the five five somethings? Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I, I know of it. I've never experienced. It was it, really yeah. wonderful. And he, but one of the things that he said that was just like so, like oh yeah, was. You know, we sit down and we want to tell the world about our thoughts and feelings, you know, but no one wants to hear about our thoughts and feelings. No, no, they don't. <laughs> they, and our thoughts and feelings are no more interesting than anyone else's. Right. But the poem has something. The poem itself has something to tell us. Yes. And, and if it doesn't transcend the personal, then then it's just us talking. Do you think of poetry, like reading and writing poetry, just experiencing poetry as like a spiritual practice? Well, that word is becoming so well used that it's hard anymore to understand uh, what we mean. I do think that the conscious mind attends the writing of a poem but it's not the source and is not, uh, it really isn't the maker. I feel as if, yeah, we, we, we become midwives for something that's trying to emerge. Bruce Springsteen said a beautiful thing. Um, he said one and one in art and in love makes three. And that if you have, let's say, an idea and you have language, you can put it into language, but it won't do anything. Or if you have words and you put them to music, it won't have any energy unless there's a third thing 
struggling to emerge from between those two things that the writer or doesn't doesn't not understand and it's that third thing i think that is unknown even to the maker but do you feel like you as a person go to poetry for that oh. you know what i mean like on your is yeah. that well i think i've always gone to poetry just to one feel less alone on the planet um you know, because the first time I read, you know, Emily Dickinson and Walt Whitman and, you know, Hopkins, I felt like, me too, me too, me too, <laughs> to borrow a contemporary expression. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I felt just someone had found words for states that I didn't think there were words for. I mean, at least they found a way to hold, hold that, hold the state, you know. Um, and that was a miracle to me. And and yes, I feel as if there's a place where a kind of congruence occurs, insight, understanding, you know, a lyric poem gives you that sense of, yes, you know, um, and it's, it's, it's a whole combination of things that feels as if it's nourishing, it's encouraging, it's strengthening, it's um, deepening. Um, so in that way, yes, it, it can't be seen, you know, so it's, it's spiritual. Um, we were, I just came from a conference on faith and writing and I was on a panel and we wrangled with the word religious um, which for me religion has um, the, the, the feeling of dogma or constriction um, or at least containment um, but I guess spiritual doesn't the evidence of things unseen is what I think of when I think of the word spiritual. So yeah, that language itself is unseen when mm. we speak it. Mm. Um, and yet we can't live without it, without hearing each other's voices. Um, so the whole mystery of being alive and who we are and where we're, we come from and where, if anywhere, we're going and what our relationship is to all the rest of the universe is so confounding and so bewildering and so miraculous it feels as if the poetry is the place that can hold all that mm -hmm. what initially was it that brought you to writing poetry were you a child were you a teenager were you an yeah, adult I was writing when I was little um, I, <laughs> I remember my first poem Carrie, I gave it, it was four lines, and it was very Emily Dickinsonian. Want to hear it? Yeah, of four course lines. I want to hear it, of course. It's, I have a little house to clean. It's not so very small. You don't need a mop or broom. You just need grace. That's all. <laughs> oh, it is so Emily Dickinson. I love and that so much. Did you? Did you like, Rebecca's like really near little. tears. I was probably six. And I told this to a wonderful therapist I was working with, and he said, you know what the little house is? And I said, it's my soul. And he said, it's your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, love with your therapist. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I said, it's my soul. And he said, it's your vagina. <laughs> Same, same. <laughs> right. Same, right. same. Same, same, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, funny. yeah. And so I remember you sort of talking about when I, I, when I think back on being a student of yours, 
when I advise uh, younger students, younger undergrads about graduate school, it's like, Mm. who knows what you're going to graduate school to learn? But, you know, I had professors in graduate school who would write elaborate notes on work and hand them back to me. And Mm. I couldn't say that I learned or like that even the piece that I was, Mm -hmm. you know, being that was being responded to was improved or was changed by them. But, you Mm -hmm. know, you would say things in class like I remember you saying, you know, some maybe it was me, like somebody was sort of pushing you to kind of. Like say, tell you're like you're supposed to be here to tell us how to write poems and or like uh-huh. how do you write a good poem and I remember you just said no one knows, no mm-hmm. one knows where they come from, no one mm-hmm. knows if another is going to come again. You just have mm-hmm. to be there with it, and mm-hmm. like you know, graduate school is like the opposite of that. Like we're here mm-hmm. now. We have three years, mm-hmm. and this is we have to learn everything in this mm-hmm. time. So please just hand it over to us. And mm-hmm. I loved that you were, I mean, you were just so resistant to that. And it was so, mm-hmm. and so when I, now when I think back, you know, I think about those moments in your class. I think about taking my graduate thesis to your house. Do you remember this? I do. I took I it do to your remember. house. I had a hard copy of it. You mm-hmm. said, go watch Care Bears. That's how young Inan was. Yeah. Go watch Care Bears. I'm going to, you, you cooked dinner and read my book. And then you came in and you said, here, I marked it up. And you'd marked it up with a crayon. <laughs> I still have it. It's a green crayon. Oh, that's hilarious. And you just oh like, you know, it was like a slash through a poem that you thought didn't mm-hmm. belong. And then I also mm-hmm. remember you said, what is it? There's something that happened that you're not talking about in these poems. Mm-hmm. All the poems are coming off of this, like sparks off a mm-hmm. fire. But what is the fire? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, then I just was like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. And this is and then it just totally changed the way I thought about uh, the book going forward, you know. OK, I know that you have to uh, mm-hmm. get going. So I wondered if you had a poem that you would like to share. Um, I do. Oh, you do. Great. OK. I would love to read a poem by my old and dear friend, Lucy Brock Broido. Mm. Lucy just died last month. And um, yeah, I just mm. I'm it's 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 a very uh, profound loss. And um, this poem Lucy published in The New Yorker, and it's very much her, but also a real breakthrough for her. Um, And it's called The American Security Against Foreign Enemies Act. Do you know this poem? I don't know that poem, no. It was what was passed, you know, uh, this law was passed to keep foreign enemies Mm -hmm. out of our country. Mm -hmm. So it's a series of questions. It's a kind of interrogation. American Security Against Foreign Enemies Act by Lucy Brock Broido. Why do you feel most vulnerable? Where in Damascus were you born? To whom do you pray? What does it mean to have winged brows? Have you ever spoken through a mesh? Was it dark speech that you made? Is it hot inside your burqa? Who was Frank Sinatra? Why was our war called civil and who won? Can you keep a bright gaze? How tall was Allah? What once was Palestine? What most displaces you? 
Have you visited Somalia? Have you ever crossed a border in a boat by night to another land? Sir, in all, how many died? Is your wife considered meek? Point to Mecca from right here. Why is our court supreme? What does the sound and the fury mean to you? Who was Huckleberry Finn? Has your husband ever traveled to Afghanistan? In Sharia, when a woman's hair is loose, is she a prostitute or slave? Do you understand what red state means? Do you speak American? Here, read that aloud. Do you have tattoos? What does paranoia mean? In what season do we vote for president? How much freedom does the First Amendment cost? Which is the tallest tree? You were once a doctor. How is it, as you say, you've come to selling vegetables? How tall was Jesus in bare feet? Do you consider him a refugee? Have you a disease that is contagious? What are the Hunger Games? Who sang Moon River best? Do you have friends or relatives who are barbarians? What is the blues? What is a second sleep? What most once made you weep? When was Lincoln? Who is Stephen King? Explain what obfuscation means. Have you been lashed? Who were our pilgrims? Why did they come? Have you ever eaten eel? Why do you bring just one small son? Where are the other ones? What are your other sons? That's an incredible poem. Mm-hmm. It's completely astonishing. American Security Against Foreign Enemies Act by Lucy Brock Broido. Thank you so much for reading that, Marie. Thank you. I'm going to go. It's my joy to read it. I'm proud of Lou for writing this. Yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful poem that holds what cannot be said. How much freedom does the First Amendment cost? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you speak American? Here, read that aloud. Mm-hmm. Point to Mecca from right here. Mm-hmm. Why is our court supreme? I mean, what? Mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And those last lines about the sons. What oh, are they? Oh, I know. What are they? Why do you bring just one small son? And I've heard, um, I went, days after Lucy died, I went to the New Yorker and Kevin Young and I did a podcast about this poem. I was told that Lou changed the last two lines at the very last minute. It said, why do you bring just one small son? What are the other ones? Where are your other sons? And she turned the what and where around. Mm -hmm. Where are the other ones? What are your other sons? Mm -hmm. You're right. It does. It like articulates something that is very, Mm -hmm. uh, it's Mm -hmm. unutterable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you have to go. Carrie, I miss you and I love you and it's great to hear your voice. I love you too and I hope to see you very soon. Me too. And Rebecca, thank you. And everyone, thank you there. Thank and, um, you so much. It's a much. wonderful thing you're doing, Carrie. Oh, thanks. Okay. Well, and I'll hope to see you in Austin soon. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. 
You can find Marie Howe's poem One Day in her collection Magdalene Poems, out now from W.W. Norton Books. This is Just to Say is produced at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas. I'm Carrie Fountain. Thanks for listening. <laughs>